Good morning and welcome to the main point. This is midweek midweek main point. Again, uh, we've had a delay a little bit. We've had a lot of busy things going on here at Rosa Sharon, so we've had to uh, kind of move our main point over to Wednesdays just temporarily. We'll hopefully get back to doing Monday main point this coming Monday. But uh, we're glad that you join us. Um, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon Baptist, and uh, somewhat your host for this program. Um, I'm joined with all the rest of our pastors. Uh, we have Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. And we are continuing um, our discussion on um, power and uh, spiritual power uh, that we find in Jesus. Um, this comes as a part of uh, just sort of dovetailing with our month-long VBS, which is all about um, Jesus giving us the power to pull us through. And uh, we're looking at various applications of, of that idea of, of the power of, of Christ. And so um, we've been uh, looking, the sermon series has been sort of going along with each verse for the week that, we've, that we're studying in our Vacation Bible School. And this past, um, this past Sunday, we were really looking at uh, Romans 8.11 which um, our group, the VBS we were using, only took the first part of this verse, yes. which is the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Um, I think that, I'll just say this up from the front, <laughs> when, I heard, when I first saw that, I was like, that's great, it's a good memory verse, because you don't want to give them too much to memorize. Yeah, and they did it because it's for children. Right. So that's normally what most people do with verses with children. Right, but... That means a whole lot of explanation. Because <laughs> if you just take that, if you just teach that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, well, that doesn't have any kind of qualification to it whatsoever. And it just it seems to say, okay, that same Spirit of God is in every single person. And that's clearly not what this uh, passage is saying. And so for our, for, the, for our discussion today, let's back up a little bit. Let's go from Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. And then we're going to look at two implications of this that was brought up in the message that Jeff preached on Sunday on, um, on the implications on this, uh, of this verse. So here we go. I'm going to read from the NLT because that's sort of where your centralized text was, Jeff. Uh, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature, writes Paul. You are controlled by the Spirit of God if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. There, there's the verse we need, right? Mm -hmm. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Wow. Three really awesome verses. And again, if you, if, you, if you add that verse 9 to that, you can see, okay, this is clearly a message to Christians. Um, and you know, the, the, the implication being that if you have uh, the Spirit of Christ living in you, then you, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead also lives in yeah, you. Yeah, and... Uh... I, I did it in the in the uh, message, kind of like given the context up to that point of Romans eight was that right. Paul has this contrast between 
how you're supposed to live in the spirit versus how you live according to the the law of sin and, and death. And right. So he was doing this comparison in order for people to realize now Jesus is living in you. You don't live by that way anymore. And that brings us into this context. And then the final context, you know, was the great ending of chapter eight, which gets, you know, about 100% of all the right. uh, emphasis on. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that this verse, I mean, 8, 8, 11, even the first half of this verse is a powerful verse for Christians. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, let's not let's not miss that. I mean, this is a really great verse for Christians, and so let's just talk about it from that context, right? And so, the first implication you brought up is that the same Spirit of God that has the power to raise Jesus from the dead lives in us. Um, and we, you gave us three different versions of this uh, from uh, did the, the NLT, the NKJV reads. But if, the, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Um, so, uh, so that's, there, there's, there's in, in the NKJV, it almost seems to say, um, it's got that if, if he lives in you. Yeah, right? the conditional aspect. Right, the conditional aspect. Um, likewise, NIV, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So, um, yeah, so obviously that's who we're talking about, right? And then you kind of went to um, you went to a, a couple of places, but uh, you went to Acts two thirty two, and said you know where where um, where I guess this is in Peter's Peter's first Peter's sermon. first sermon where he says God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Yeah, and he says that right after he says this same Jesus you took out and crucified, blah, all that, and then he. Then he has this closing argument that that same Jesus God raised from the dead. Right. And we're the witnesses of this. So, so um, I, I want to, I because I think some people could, because um, we're going to talk about, okay, well, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, right? So um, is Jesus raised from the dead um, of his own power? Is he raised from the dead by the power of, God is it the, is it His divine power that raises Him from the dead? Jeremiah, can you help me out with this? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is a little bit of a complicated question. I understand, but I, I think it's important because when we read Peter's words, God raised Jesus from the dead. Are we just talking about God the Father raised Jesus the Son from the dead, or are we talking about God the Father raised Jesus the Man from the dead? Like, how do we how, how do you think we look at this? And you may not know for certain, but I'm just trying to get a good idea. Yeah, but this verse, so the Acts 2 verse says that God raised Jesus from the dead. And this verse says the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. So like the spirit of God. So it's God the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And then I think there actually is another place where Jesus says, we'd have to look it up, but where okay. he says, I, I raised or it was by my power that I raised up, or uh, we'd have to look it up. But no, I think it's just carte blanche, Yahweh or God uh, raised Jesus up. Whether it was Jesus, God the Spirit, God the Son, or God the Father, it's clear that God raises Jesus up. And so the implications there, because um, I think the problem Christians have with this verse is that we think it's our power. Mm -hmm. that it's our power to yield as we want that's my power 
But it's clear from this text and other texts that it's not our power. It's Jesus's power. Right. That lives in you. So it's not like you can just... I think when we read this verse, we think, oh, I'm capable of doing so much when it's it's not you. Right. It's It never was. Like even the Old Testament saints, it wasn't them. It was God's power working within them, which is why I like... I like the theme, the phrasing of the theme for uh, Group VBS, which is Jesus's power pulls you through. Right. Not Jesus gives you power to pull or, yourself, to pull yourself right. through or to do incredible things or right. that type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of like what you're saying there, because if you think about it in terms of let's talk about just just resurrection, Jeremiah can't raise Jeremiah from the dead. I mean, it doesn't matter how much power Jeremiah has. Jeremiah's power is not able to raise Jeremiah from the dead. Neither is Jeremiah's power uh, powerful enough to save Jeremiah from his sins, right? I mean, it takes some sort of external power from that, 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 that is not in you initially, right? So we're not saying this is power that you had access to, you just didn't tap into it. This is power that wasn't part of you because you, you never invited it into your life to begin with. But now is in you, um, and it's not your power, but except for in the fact that it's shared, I guess, right? In that, in that, um, because he's in you, you have power in you, even though it's not your power. Is that, is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah, I mean, so like, this doesn't take away from the fact that we're still um, reliant. We're still. We need to be reliant on Christ. We need to uh, pray and ask for help. It's it's not that you just we we have the power sure within us, but it still means that we need to be reliant and we need to be. And I know Jeff talked about it a little bit. Um, the only thing that the Bible kind of talks about in our role in the relationship is that sometimes we quench it. Not mm. that not that we yield it or wield it. I keep saying yield, wield. Not that we wield it, but that sometimes we quench it. Right. Um, so Can, if you have any power at all, you have the power to kind of squelch it or or quench okay, it. Okay. So, but but on the flip side, do we have the power, say Blake, to fan it into flame, like what um, Paul says to Tim says to Timothy? Right. Can we can we stoke it um, as opposed to quench it? We can definitely, uh, like, God wants to use the Holy Spirit through us, and that's why, I like, like, let's take the apostles, for example, and the disciples. A lot of scholars argue that um, the acts of the apostles really should be argued that it should be titled the acts of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. because you see that through all these men's faithfulness, these women's faithfulness, you see a great work of the Holy Spirit abounding and um, I'm not saying that like we can like trigger the Holy Spirit to work or something, right? But the Holy Spirit wants to use us, and the Holy Spirit is going to work. I think a better question is, will we be a part of that work? Right? Are yeah. we going to hinder it, or are we going to allow it to? Are we going to be a channel for it? Right. Yeah. Will the Holy Spirit work through us? Right. Um, what do you think, Jeff? And can you can you can you sh- no, maybe stoke is the wrong word here, but. Yeah. Um, can you 
Can you increase can you, the amount of power? Add, can you add fuel? Or yeah, can, well, can well, it's not even adding candle, fuel. Candle can you fire. candle that fire? Which, basically, yeah. if you candled some, well, a candle is adding fuel. Right. Uh, so basically, you know, Jeremiah's been sharing with the teenagers, I think, about spiritual disciplines. Right. And so I think that's what Paul's getting at. But before, when they lived by the law, um, they were doing things. A lot of times it was just out of duty or... Um, you know the things that they were just doing to try to worship God, and he kept saying, "You know, that's 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 the dip, the laws for a different thing. Right? We're not living by a law anymore. We're living by the Spirit. So, mm. so in the same thing, then, so if I if I have the Holy Spirit living in me, then he's he's there, mm-hmm. and and what keeps me alive is the same thing. You know, I need to eat, I need to breathe, I need to exercise, I need to do all those things. Right. Um, and so. Prayer. If I pray and I'm, I'm prayed up, not not out of duty and all that, but as a relationship, reading scripture and pouring into my heart and life, witnessing to people, telling right. people about Christ, um, you know, all those things that we do. Um, I think as we do those, then the Holy Spirit, uh, His power is available and ready at, at the will for us to to use for 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 whatever He's called us to do at that moment in time. Right. Whereas if I'm kind of living in my own flesh and kind of put put the Holy Spirit on a shelf, so to speak, and I'm, then all of a sudden I'm doing all this stuff out of my own power. I'm going to get burned out, and then all of a sudden I'm not going to be effective anymore because, right. because the power that I could have had that was readily available for me is, you know, put on a shelf. And so that's I think that's what Paul's trying to get at is that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. Now live it. Live through him. Let him live through you and do these great things. Right. So it's not so much that I'm 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 adding uh, anything additional to or, or or fanning into flame this 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 power. Rather it's the case as I'm hearing you and Blake both, rather it's the case that I have maximum power in me and then the effectiveness of said power will be up to me whether I'm going to allow it to. Am I going to yield to the Holy Spirit? Right. Yield to my own. Mm-hmm. Am I going to put obstacles up, yes. uh, blocking? You know, if you think about like a, a river, am I going to dam that river up, or am I going to let that river flow? The the, the water is the same either way. But right. am I going to? Am I going? You know, I'm not adding more water, but I have the ability to to again sort of dam that that, that yeah, river up. Yeah, that's a good illustration. Right. I like that. Um, so. Yeah, I, I like that, and, and I think that's a better way of looking at what we're talking about here. But let's talk about resurrection, because that's really at the heart of this whole verse, is the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And Jeff, you went to Romans 1-4, um, or actually I think you went to uh, a larger passage than that, but I'm going to look at 1-4 here, uh, where it says that Jesus, is show, Paul writes that Jesus was shown to be the Son of God, when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's, there it is again, Jeremiah, that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord, all right? And we've talked before about what that means when you call him Lord. It's not just that he's Messiah, but now he's Lord, or it's, you know, it's, it's equivalent to calling him Yahweh in some ways. Jeremiah, what, why, is it so, why is it so important um, that, the, like, how does Jesus' lordship and his messiahship um, established by the resurrection of the dead. Why? Why is it that that makes him that makes him Lord? Because I think it's important that we understand that 
if we're going to understand the, the, the implications of the power that's in us. Does that make sense? Yeah, so with Messiahship, um, if he doesn't rise from the dead, that means he's dead. And thus, that means that all the prophecies about him leaving forever or sitting on the throne forever uh, don't come true, which just makes him not Messiah. So for Messiah, that's pretty easy to argue. And if Messiah and Lordship, and I think they are, are connected, um, then Lordship is also easy to kind of understand because if, if he is eternal, right, and he proves that he's eternal, there's only one being that's eternal, which is God. Actually, humans uh, in relationship with Christ are also eternal. Um, but Well, you know, we're, yeah. We, um, uh, we're eternal, but not infinite. There's only one being that's infinite, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We're ever, once right. we're in Christ, we're everlasting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so yeah, he establishes by by rising from the dead. He establishes that his word is true, that he really is the Messiah who was set to come, that he really can save you from your sins. So if you just go through First Corinthians 15 and reverse all the statements Paul makes. It's clear that by the resurrection, he proves that he is God. And if he is God, he must be Lord of all life. Yes. So apart, if, if, if Jesus doesn't, if, if, if some, and there are some Christian called, so-called scholars who say um, that the resurrection is not a historical reality, um, but if it's not a historical reality, you're saying that, that you don't have a Messiah then. And you definitely don't have a Lord in Jesus. Well, no. Technically, if he doesn't die, he wouldn't need to rise. Mm-hmm. But if he then if he doesn't die, then he doesn't well, these, save us. He doesn't pay the penalty for our these sins. These scholars will say that he, died that he died and that he stayed dead, and and that um, then he's not his, with, yeah. that his resurrection in quotation marks right. is. Either a spiritual one or an inspirational one that that he didn't really rise from the dead so much as his ideas lived on in his disciples in in a sort of pseudo resurrection. Um, so is he is he is he? But you're saying that if that's the case, that he's not Messiah and he's not Lord. Yeah, I mean, for sure, for us, I, I believe that he needs to actually be alive. Now, if you want to argue uh, that that alive means spiritually or that reigning on the throne forever could mean a different type of reigning on the throne forever, mm-hmm. uh, I guess they could get by with that. But for us, I believe that, well, because the scripture teaches he's alive. Uh, I mean, you'd have to do a, you have to do a lot of acrobatics with scripture. Yeah. And in, in fact, you have to. I think there are whole passages you just have to say that that's not what that says. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you think, first and I think why, when Paul it. says he raised Jesus, he's using his earthly name so that this Jesus person, this mm. man, Jesus, a good point. is alive now. Sure. And it becomes, the Christ part comes in the second part, mm-hmm. um, which then is important for us because he's the Messiah. Now that he, his body rose, then our body will rise too. Right into this new body that he's, we're going to have. But that's getting kind of over on the second point. But but yeah, right. I think the bodily resurrection, I think that's a key. I mean, if he doesn't actually rise up from the dead, because he told them in three days, I'm going to be killed in three days, I'm going to rise up. And 
and so it took him a while to, for it to sink in. And mm-hmm. even you know, Thomas, uh, one of his even followers, didn't believe his brothers. But then when he saw Jesus, what did he do? He fell on his, he fell right there at his feet, and he cried out, "My Lord and my God!" Right. So that that was the proof. That was the 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 thing that that helped them see that this is really the Messiah. He is to be worshipped. And Jesus didn't turn them away. So I think it's just so important. If we don't have that, you know, Paul in 15 basically says, if we don't have a resurrection, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're just the most miserable people in the world. And yeah. what, what hope do we have now? Yep, yep. So I think it's just really key. I, um, I, I, I think it is that. too. And I, and I think it's, it's a, I agree that I think it's a bodily resurrection. And, and I use that verse about God and then Holy Spirit and then Jesus to kind of show it was the Trinity working together yeah. in the resurrection. Too. Yeah, it's, it's 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 God the Father. Yes, the Holy Spirit is the catalyst, and then Jesus comes up out of the grave. Right, so you have all three. Yeah, but that, the, that idea of uh, a bodily resurrection being necessary for some of the some of the things that we're claiming about you know the, 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 again go back to that list in First Corinthians fifteen that Paul mentions that you guys have talked about a couple of times now. That you know we're still if he hasn't been raised and we're still dead in our sins and we're you know we have no hope and all these things if you know that's why it's so really important that it's a bodily resurrection and that because Paul's going to say Blake that he's the first fruits of those right he's the first fruits of those and so he is he's setting the mod Paul is going to say that Jesus Christ is the model for all the rest of us and what. We can look to Christ and see what happened to him to know what our eternal destiny is going to be as well. And so um, if if his is a bodily resurrection, then in order for ours to be a bodily resurrection as well, then his has to be a bodily resurrection. And not only that, but um, if you make it a spiritual thing or, um, you know, what, ha- what's it, what ends up happening is so many people, um, you know, they don't mean to, they don't think they're self through this, but... They downplay the body mm-hmm. and upplay the spirit. And it seems to me that Scripture throughout, and especially in these passages we're talking about, is saying, no, the body is really important to human personhood and to and to full redemption and all those things. And so it's a bodily resurrection that's necessary. It's not enough to go and become spirits floating around some cloud city. Right. Um, you know, it, 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 there, there has to be more to it than that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you really point that out, that it is a bodily resurrection and that in heaven we will have glorified bodies. Like, we're not going to have glorified spirit. I mean, in a way, yes, but it's not just going to be glorified spirits. We're going to have glorified bodies, like, um, and our bodies will be different, like, in heaven. Now, how that happens... <laughs> Second that's, point. That's we why got we got three yeah. other pastors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, I, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to belabor this point too much. Yeah. But it, but let's talk a little bit more, Jeff. About we, we're talking about the implications for um, why 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 this power is so great. Mm-hmm. But then we want to look at, and I think you quote from Ephesians one here, nineteen through twenty. You mm-hmm. said. Or, or, not you, but Paul said, <laughs> um, I also pray that you will understand. So Paul's praying for, for the believers to, to grasp this, right? Yes. What is he praying for them to grasp? The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power 
that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And Paul's saying, man, I'm praying that you can begin to grasp the incredible power that we're talking about that lives in you, right? Why is it so important for believers to get hold of this? Well, because if not, then we we become a religion of good works mm. that somehow or another we're trying to earn grace or earn mercy or earn merit or even a relationship with God. We're trying to earn something. We're trying in our own way of doing what he's called us to do. And and so we've got to understand that it's it's there. Yeah, I mean, It is mind-boggling, and it is hard to understand. Yeah. And the tragedy, I think I did, I did a quote that um, um, it's, it's, it's the most un, routinely un, underestimated important fact of, of our existence, yeah, you know, yeah. that uh, it's, we, we ignore it as a church. A lot of times we, you know, somehow or another we think that we have this system set up and this organization and we have all these things set up in a way that if we just live this and do these things then we're pleasing God and mm. we're successful Christians. Mm -hmm. And we may not be. We may just be going through the, a lot of emotions. And, yeah. But to understand and know that, that the power of God is in us, then that would change everything about everything we try to do. It does. And, you know, you think about we're uh, continually told over and over by our culture that we're weak, we're weak-minded, that we're erroneous. And so I think some people are beginning to buy into that lie yeah that like we're defeated that we're we defeated have no power right exactly well, yeah, yeah we don't really as a organization or a political organization yeah we have zero power at all right but as the holy spirit living inside of us we yeah. have the power in us that will change my life yeah and change my family could possibly even change my community if we all could just understand yeah and see i love what you just said there because what what we have a tendency to do sometimes is we go, oh no, you know, um, because because my because such and such a um, you know even if it's a Christian like you know the, there were Christians running for like city council mm -hmm. here in our own yeah, well, city right, 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 right and he doesn't get elected right um, Christian leaders aren't getting elected and so um, my my candidate's not getting elected and so. Uh, we're just losing, losing, losing all the time, and we're losing to culture, and we're losing. We're and so we we buy into this idea that the culture is selling that Christianity is a loser's religion, or that Christianity is a loser's belief system. That if you want to be on the winning side, then just join up with all of us over here on this side, and and you can be winners, winners at the polls, winners. You know, you'll feel like a winner because your candidate will actually be the one in control of the, in the White House and such. And so I think what happens is, is that, that we think that that's where victory's at, right? That, that victory is there. And if that's where your victory is, then yeah, you're going to come off as a loser all the time. But what you just said is so important, man. It's not about that stuff. No. It's about we have the, that power that's in us is empowering us to live transformed lives and to lead others to do the same. Yes. That's what the power is there for. It's to give us hope, and it's to give others hope, and to transform the way in which we think and the way in which we live our lives. It gives us purpose and meaning and all that. And that's why, at the end of the day, we're winners. We're winners there. 
Um, but you know, we're not we're not on the losing team. But we're being told over and over that we are. Yeah. You know. Um, but let's talk about the team aspect of this because um, I think another sort of mistake that we make sometimes, Jeremiah, is. We take this and go, okay, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And so I am now this sort of um, uh, station of power, right? But Jeff mentioned, and, and this comes from 1 Corinthians 3.16, um, Jeff uh, quoted this in, 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 in the sermon too. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? And I have to think of Paul when he's saying that you, I don't have the original Greek in front of me. I have to, I have to think it's sort of that vososstros, right? It's that you all, y'all, yeah. right? It's, yeah. the, it's the y'all thing. You plural. Right, you plural. Um, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you collectively? And so what difference does it make for the believer to grasp this? That it's not just that it's... Jeremiah, the tower or station of God's power. Jonathan, the station of God's power. Jeff, the station of God's power. Blake, the station of God's power. But rather, it's the church or the body as one power unit. Yeah, again, I think it, it knowing that, it takes the focus off of me, me having the power, mm -hmm. and knowing that it's Jesus that has the power. And I, I just, I was listening to a song, uh, I won't say by who, because it doesn't matter, but um, it was a worship song that I don't necessarily agree with all of the words, <laughs> but part of the words were, uh, it was talking about, it was a prayer that God would build his church. Mm -hmm. And then over and over it kept saying, it's your church, it's your church, you build your church, it's your church, build it from the ground up if you have to, but it's your church. Is it saying... To God build your church? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Like kind of a prayer. Right. And I just don't think we pray like that enough. Like, mm. like it's your church, God. Build it how you want to. Mm. Uh, it's not my church. It's not, it's not my power. Um, and then I think of that verse because it's a powerful verse that Jesus, Jesus literally says that the apostles or the Christians would be able to do greater things than he was on earth. And you're like, well, how? Right, because I'm not walking on water. No, I'm not. <laughs> Nor raising ourselves up from the dead. Right, right. And it's got to be because all people, not just me, but all people who become Christians have the same spirit. Mm -hmm. And we have equal, right? We all have all of it, yes. which is confusing. Right. We all have all of it. And all have so the same I don't have a piece of it, and that I I've got to be with others in order for my piece to work. Right, it's not like you unite yeah. the unite the gems of power, and then it becomes yeah. like it's not like a Voltron kind of thing. Like and if you, you just bring you, them together, and if you think practically, like it has to be that way, or there's no way we can accomplish Christ's mission because yeah. there's no way I'm going to be able to talk to eight billion people. It, I could go through numbers, but it's impossible. <laughs> Even with the internet, if everyone watched the same video, it, it can't happen. So uh, you need believers everywhere, but also we need to work together, not just as our church, but as the church. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so important for people to grasp, mm -hmm. right? And for, for the reasons you just outlined, because... In order for us to be able to do greater things than what Jesus did, Jesus was one individual person 
with, you know, what, and he had the power of the Spirit on him. But now that's been multiplied throughout time too, right? I mean, so like I'm united not only to the believers that are here now with me, but in some ways I'm united with my the believers of the past and believers that will be, right? I'm, I'm that same spirit that permeates me permeates all of us and unites us together. That that's amazing when you think about that. Um, and so that's why it's so important for us to kind of throw off Blake these ideas that are so prevalent in church culture today that um, of church competition and the idea that um, you know oh well you know we can't help this church over here that you you know it's it's like it's like you know they're they're it's almost like people were treating them like it's okay we're, we're UNC and they're Duke you know, and so we don't want to see them succeed, and we want to we want to root against them, and uh, we want to rally everybody to us. Uh, it's that's so backwards. It feels like from what you read in in scripture. I, know, I almost have to wonder, like, how much all that makes God frown a little bit, you know? Because it's uh, yeah, that is it's completely um, backwards from what you see in scripture. You know, we're supposed to be unified. Mm. And Jesus in John 17 mm. even prays that all believers would be unified. Mm-hmm. And one thing we have to ask ourselves is, are we going against Jesus' prayer? Mm. Like, are we being that stumbling block, to, for lack of a better term, to Jesus' prayer? Are we, as followers, getting in the way of his prayer mm-hmm. from being fulfilled? And once we look at it through those lens, yeah, the, a lot of churches have a lot of repenting to do yeah 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 all right so let's look at the second application which it takes uh, we we look at the second half of this verse um so the first half was the spirit of god who raised jesus from the dead lives in you but the second half reads and just as god raised christ jesus from the dead he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you uh, KJV says, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. We don't use that word quicken all that much anymore, except for like quicken loans. Right. Uh, <laughs> but quicken just means to make alive, right? Yeah. Um, uh, then the uh, NKJV says, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Yeah. And, this, and the word I emphasized there was the through. Right. He was the channel. And then the CSB has, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. They include that conditional if at the beginning of that. And if the spirit of him does this, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies. And then the message um, is much longer, but but you, uh, I'll I'll read this because I think it's good. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. It's interesting, the message uh, version of this, and Eugene Peterson's message version of this, 
it seems to implicate with that the second half of that anyway that that it's not so much looking ahead to the future in terms of eschatology as much as it's took, taking a look at our lives now even right. our lives and now so in, yeah so in the in the uh, uh, sermon I kind of made like the two implications were uh, you know Jesus asking him into your life he lives in you mm-hmm. and then the raising from the dead and that most people will go, okay, I did that, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And we forget about the in-between. And so right. I love the way he made it the in-between. Like, yeah, and so before you get to that point, there's a whole life to live. Because if not, as soon as I got saved, I should have been transformed. Right. And that was all it's all about. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, so there's actually really three implications, but I just uh, went to the two. Right. And um, But I did mention the in-between. Because when Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, he's not talking about just future. And he's certainly not talking about, you yeah. know, he's talking about life now and forever. Yeah. So there's, there's a point, there's a, the, while we're here in these mortal bodies, we also, um, we also are freed from death's hold on us, Jeremiah, in that sin has been defeated in us, right? Yeah, I think the... Why this is so significant is because of something Jeff just said earlier in this podcast. But that whole, like when I was growing up, and I think even now it's still being taught, or there's this this whole like aura or teaching that Christianity is about going from being bad mm-hmm, to, to going good. to being good. Mm-hmm. And if you see it that way, then this text makes no sense at all. Because like, look at verse 10. It says, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead mm-hmm. because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness. So it's not about going from, from bad to good. It's about going from dead, dead in life. your mortal bodies to life. Well, right. how does that work? You're dead in your sin, but you're alive in Christ's righteousness. Not that, your righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. And you mean you're dead now. now. Not, not dead later. This isn't talking about dead later. You're talking about dead now. now. So are we talking about, we're talking about spiritual death, right? Not physical death, but spiritual death. Yeah, I think the lines are blurred in Scripture on, on that. I think a lot of times that means the same thing. We make the distinction of spiritual death and physical death. Mm. But spiritual death is physical death just before if that makes sense because if you're spiritually dead when you die you're still dead yeah yeah you're still spiritually dead mm-hmm. and so yes obviously there's there needs to be a distinction because we have this inner inner period like jeff's talking about this life now but the text seems to suggest that if you aren't a part of christ's plan or if you're not a christian then you're dead already mm-hmm. dead in your sin that's a spiritual death, but it will lead to physical death, eternal death, which mm-hmm. is still a spiritual death. Right. I mean, it's both and. Right. So that's a little confusing, but I, don't, I just don't think you understand this passage if you only apply it to your physical body, body, bodily resurrection after you die. But this text, I think, more clearly talks about this transformation that happens right now currently mm. to christians so you're dead you're dead in your sin but you become alive in christ and i even think that verse 11 is actually talking about that too it says for the dead will also or 
uh, dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So now, mm. not that he's going to resurrect you, which he is going to resurrect you from physical death. But right now, you have life now. And before, you didn't have life. So, so in some ways, have I been resurrected already? Yes. That's the exact point. You both, you've been resurrected now. It's our already and not, and not yet. There's so much of already and not yet in Scripture. Yes. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of that, idea, of that idea. So what you're saying is, is that resurrection isn't just something to look forward to. But it's something I've already experienced at some level. Yeah, you you live in it now. That's what life means. If if we go from being dead to being alive, what is that called? Right, it's called resurrection. Resurrection. Right, or that's it's why, called being a zombie. <laughs> and if it feels weird, like you hear songs by Elevation Worship, that song that's like, uh, is resurrecting me. Like, right. It's like, wait, now? I'm right. being resurrected now? Or am I going to get resurrected later? And it's like, yes. <laughs> it's, it's yes. Both. But that's uh, the reason it's hard for us to kind of wrap our minds around it is because too much of Christianity is about going from being bad to being good. Right. Rather than going from being dead to being alive. That's right. right. That's and not good. just in the future, but alive now. So let me, let me push into this just a little bit more because um, help me understand then... Um, if, if it's the case that I'm already resurrected um, and that I will be resurrected as well, right? Um, we, we believe, I think, in our eschatology, the four of us would say that resurrection of the dead will occur for all, all humans. Am I right about that? So how does that work? Why is it that dead people don't just remain dead when they die. So like if I, I can understand it when it when in terms of Christians, so you're saying I'm already resurrected, it makes sense then that my resurrection that has already occurred is going to occur later. You know, is it's just a continuation of the same. But what about those who die without Christ? They're dead already. You just said that a minute ago. They're dead. Now they're physically dead. Why not just stay dead? Or do they stay dead? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't have a great answer for that if someone else does. I, I mean, for me, it's not a question I personally have because it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to you. <laughs> but and in some sense, in our sinfulness, right, we were like, why didn't he just leave them alone? Why didn't God just not resurrect them and let them perish? Uh, but it does appear that at the dead. end, at, at the end, no, yeah, they do. Yeah, everyone rises from the dead. That's why, in some ways, we're all eternal. But it's not that we're eternal; it's that Christ rises everyone, or or everyone who they show up at the judgment seat, right? In Revelation uh, twenty and twenty one, you you see the judgment, right? And that's why uh, is it in Hebrews. It's a point under man wants to die, and, and then comes this, the judgment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, you die, and then you're resurrected at the judgment, right? And then those who aren't in Christ, they go, they're thrown in the lake of fire. And those who are in Christ or, or found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they go to heaven, right? They live eternally with Jesus. So when I say I don't have a great answer for that particular question, mm -hmm. I just don't. I don't. I don't know why it works that way. I just know that it does 
from right. Scripture. I can't tell you why, personally. I just but don't have a great answer there. That's all right. Do you guys want to toss in on that at all? I, you want to, you? Just for our listeners, are you saying like in the Hebrews when it says, and for me too, I'll throw that in. Um, when uh, we die and it says we're appointed judgment, are you saying we go to that Revelation twenty twenty one judgment? Or which judgment? Yeah, it's okay. appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Now, I mean, okay. immediately after you die, you go to judgment. There will be a judgment that will come. Uh, I think we, so so it, you know you're going to get to all kind of eschatology, eschatology right? We're going to get into theories that. and speculations, right. and we just don't really. But we do know this: that everybody will be judged, right? And you'll either be found to be written in the book of life, or not, or not. And so those that are written in the book of life, and I do find it interesting, it's called the book of life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if our names are there, then then we're part of we're part of. Uh, you know, eternity with Christ, with God, those that aren't there are separated forever without God. And I think it probably goes back to the reason and motivation that God created mankind to begin with. He created man and woman in his image in order to have fellowship, relationship with them, uh, and to reveal himself to them. And so when you deliberately or or make that make that choice to say, I reject that, then basically you were still created. He still created man, not infinite, but man to then be an eternal being from mm. the you know from the time he's born. Yeah, once you're him. formed and, and you're and you're uh, you come into existence, then you're going to exist. And the thing is, I want to exist with God forever, yes. worshiping Him, rather than exist without God forever. Yeah. Whatever that's going to look like or feel like or be like. Yeah, right. I think the scriptures teach it clearly, in my opinion, that life without God is not really life. We just mm-hmm. think it is. It feels like life. It looks like life. But life apart from our Creator is not really life. So I'm wondering then, let me let me go back to, you know, because we're kind of wandering in the weeds here of, of eschatology and that can that's that's for a whole other podcast some other time and and we could really get into and we'll, and, and and listeners when we talk about eschatology we're just talking about end time things things that happen at the end of time or at the end of life if you're talking about personal eschatology um or, or the end of our mortal lives uh, let's go back to this idea of of um that romans eight eleven is not just a verse about the end of physical life, but rather can be a verse that says that we we have been resurrected and are being resur- are, are being resurrected, right? If that's the case, then then there's implications for other verses. And you brought up, say, Philippians three twenty one, where where uh, Paul writes that God will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, from Jesus using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. And so I, I, I wonder if then we are to understand that even this verse can be in some ways uh, pointed, at, um, pointed at the Christian currently, not just the Christian well, at I the th- end of his I life. Think most of the verses I used um, at that point on was talking about the end time yeah, uh, bodily resurrection I think the, the verse you probably want to look at is Romans 8 2 which is part of the beginning of the chapter mm-hmm. where he goes because you belong to him the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death mm-hmm. so it's that struggle that remember he's writing to the Romans 
they uh, and he's writing to a Gentile and a Jewish church that's collectively together. Mm-hmm. And so the struggle is um, the Jews wanted to continue to, to be Jewish and to continue to help Christians be Jews and to, to live this life this way. And Paul's like, no, we've been, we've been set free from that. This is this new life you live now. And right. You live it in the spirit. And so, um, so I think that then is that if I've been freed from death, Mm-hmm. The consequences of death. I know if my body's going to die, then I then I now have this freedom to live this life in Christ, mm. not worried about a judgment, not worried about condemnation, not worried about uh, whether my sins will ever be forgiven and all these other things. But then to live for Him now. Right. And when I do mess up, know that it's not the end of the world. I don't have to get saved again. I'm not going to lose myself. I, I can now just be reinvigorated stoke that holy spirit back you know that i <laughs> and say you know forgive me you know i i, I want to return i want to turn from that repent from that and and live for you again i'm going to just pour my life into these people and try to try to live for you so it gives us the freedom then mm-hmm. to live like we're going to live forever right because we will <laughs> we're going to live forever and everything we do is going to live forever i mean paul is still living forever and everybody he's reaching through his words He's continuing to reach people for Christ, and that's what he's called us to do, too. Right. We've got probably about uh, less than 10 minutes here, so I, I do want to talk a little bit so about... So if I answer, I think that probably points more it, 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 You're Right, right. Because I think the context of Philippians is... Because Paul, remember, the, the whole thing was people were emphasizing the Spirit and that you can do whatever you want to in your body. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. Your, body, your body's here for a reason and a purpose. And God will have a reason and purpose for your body once it gets glorified. Too. Right. And I think another verse that really looks at the future for sure when it talks about resurrection is that Romans 8.23 that you read. Um, and we believers also yes. groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And so, again, I just kind of want to emphasize that uh, a couple of things here. One is that um, part of, uh, you know, part of the promise of these, um, of the power of, of God to raise Jesus from the dead in us is also the power to release us from sin and suffering so um those two things seem to be normally they're, they're, they're tied together jeremiah so it seems as though suffering is as a result of sin right and so whatever suffering we have is generally in result of, of some form of sin in the world or the fact that the, the world is just a fault is, is fallen and is not the, the way that god intended for it to be right but further that there's this idea that um it's not just again that we're going to have um, some sort of spiritual existence, but rather the full promise is new bodies. And and why is that important? Why is it important that 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 we have new bodies or or just bodies in general? Why is it important to include that in the equation? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Or is it? Maybe you don't think it is. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm asking this because, I, you know, he's saying that we're going to have new bodies, not just that we're going to be floating spirits, 
in Cloudland. Yeah, I don't know why. I can't. I don't know if I can answer why we have bodies in general, but I do know why we need new bodies, and that's because these bodies have been tainted by sin, and they they're corrupt, and they uh, they uh, over time they they decrease and they 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 just wear out mm-hmm. over time. So obviously, this can't be my eternal body because this this body is not going to make it for eternity. So we need a new body. But if you're asking why humans have bodies, that's a whole different question. Because uh, we believe that a human has both a body and spirit or, mm-hmm. or material and material. And I think scripture teaches that. And that you don't have a human if you don't have both. Right. Uh, so why that is, I don't know. You'd have to ask God why he could. <laughs> uh, but it's important. I guess the point is that I'm trying to make is... Um, it's important that whenever we're talking about um, end times, heaven, those kinds of things, that it's that it's a bodily existence, right? Um, that it's not a, 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 a immaterial existence, but rather a bodily existence. The scripture seems to be, in fact, Paul speaks more about the body than he does about anything else. And so it seems as though um, the body is a really important part of, of all of this, including it's not so, so, and this goes back to the power of God, right? Because it's the power of God not to just raise Jesus' spirit from the dead, but to raise his body from the dead. And so, um, so in the same way, um, that same power that's in us will raise our bodies from the dead. And I just think that's really important. Um, I think sometimes um, it's real common for people to get this idea that we're just floaty spirits and, yeah. and that's, that's the end. You know, we sing songs like I'll Fly Away and we make it sound like, okay, well, then that's it. You know, um, whatever you believe about, you know, what happens at the point that we die um, to to resurrection, whatever you want to believe about that, um, that that's fine. But I think it's really important that you don't leave out the resurrection step of that. Yeah, um, I, I still remember I had a conversation with um, some friends of mine at my when I was in Kentucky um, uh, uh, serving there at a church there, and uh, they were they were Christians had been in church all their lives and stuff. And I started talking about resurrection and our resurrected bodies and their eyes got wide they had never even thought about that wow it never occurred to them that they were gonna be resurrected yeah uh, and they, they, i mean they really believed that they were just going to become sort of spirits or angels <laughs> or whatever you want to call it yeah and, yeah yeah and so they never had this idea and so that's why i'm getting at this because yeah. I, well and the pop culture too is um people that would call themselves spiritual they all have this belief in this 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 life force this spiritual sure. life force then that all we all when we die or uh, we all just become part of this uh, well that's a very hindu or buddhist yeah, so, kind of way of yeah, looking and, at and things. it's huge like in popular culture that, that we all become part of this light and the spirit and right that, and that we're we just get um 
absorbed guess, absorbed into the, the so then then you, then the matter of existence and who you are and everything then what what was it important then if I'm just going to be this big life force that's right that uh, I think Paul is going against that that spiritual thing that yeah it's spiritual and it's going to be a body too it's not going to be the body you got now it's decaying but it's going to be a body like Christ has right when he resurrected right and so, I think something to you know to give more evidence for like a bodily resurrection like God's trying to restore like what was lost in Eden but like in the new heavens like it's going to be better than what was in Eden like he's going to restore everything that was great in Eden and like God like man walked with God in the garden Mm -hmm. so like there's a physical body you know roaming in the garden right and it's but I think you know everything that was in Eden is going to be in heaven and make it but it's going to be even better because no sin's going to be there yeah well, lots of lots of really cool things from from just one verse, and uh, you know, I think you're right, Jeff. There's about two or three implications we can take from just Romans eight eleven, and uh, great discussion with uh, with the three of you today. All right, so um, for our listeners, before um, we close out, oh, uh, go ahead. So here's the verses on uh, Jesus claiming he can raise his own body. Uh, oh, you found it. Okay. John ten eighteen says, "No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord." I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Oh, okay. Well, I should have used that to show my little Trinitarian. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, John five twenty one through 22. Uh, actually, I don't want to read that one. John two nineteen <laughs> says, destroy this temple, and in three days, days I will, I will raise, raise it up. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then he says it again uh, in John two twenty one. Yeah, that's true. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot about that yeah. verse where he, t- he says, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up. Both good. Thanks for doing that follow up on that and just not leaving that little. Oh, and I was going to follow up too about the quote. The guy says Jesus was never called Christ until after the resurrection. So I just did Christ in my brain. Like, hold on a minute. It's all in the Gospels. Like the thing where where yeah uh, Peter goes, you are the Christ. Yeah. Hey, you know. So the Holy Spirit, you know. I heard I heard you say that in the message, and I thought, but to your credit, you actually said I don't. I haven't looked into this, so I'm not really yeah, ready to that. endorse this. I like the other parts of the quote, and then that was in there. I think it was just a preacher thing. I think he was trying to say, well, that Jesus wasn't declared Christ, you know, because that one Roman right. says that. Yeah, that that's that's what made him Christ. Yeah, I think I think that's what he meant. I, I think so, so too. Yeah, I um, to double check on that. I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't think he ever. He never self-proclaims himself like he never proclaims himself as christ um and so it, there's well, to the the in a way he does to the chief priest when he says yes you've said it you've said it yeah. right but he doesn't actually he never it never comes off his yeah lips. he doesn't say yeah i'm the christ right. I so could, i could like i could take care of you right now but, but, but know, there's so much else because even when he they told him the christ he said don't tell anybody don't tell anybody that yeah. Remember, uh, so it wasn't something he's trying to do in a bragg- braggadocious way. Right. But even 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 outside of that, when you understand that Christ just means Messiah, yes. there are plenty of times where he basically proclaims himself as Messiah yes. or does things that would imply that he believed that he was Messiah. Yes. And so, yeah, I heard that and I was like, well, technically maybe, but that's misleading. And I, and <laughs> so, I wish I would have fact checked it before I just, I would have just took that out of the quote. That's all right. It's all good. All right. So 
Where are we going next week? What, 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 what are we uh, looking at for a final It's one? in John. It's about um, Jesus' power helps you have forever friends or something like that. Yeah, well, um, I, I, know, I knew that the it's point about, was... Uh, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Oh, okay. So okay. That, okay. That, that verse That's there. in First John. John. Okay. It's in the Gospels. Oh, okay. It's in John, and then two places in John, and then John, second, third John. Yeah, (laughs) it's like the main thing. John, John, well, I know when he says uh, they'll know you're uh, my disciples. Yeah, right. He does say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it might be that. It's all it's all in the same kind of area. Right, uh, right. Okay, so so okay, so we'll be looking about how Jesus' power helps us have friends. Well, that's the way that group is going to do it, but we'll probably look at how Jesus' power, we kind of touched on a little bit today, um, actually expands the scope of our relationships, right? I mean, and uh, in a more adult way of saying that. <laughs> All right, so cool. All right, well, I look forward to that conversation. Thanks for joining us this week. This has been a lot of fun. If you have any questions, always feel free to email us or contact us here. You can find us uh, at Pastors at gmail.com and if you have any thoughts on future topics you'd like us to cover then let us know we can always squeeze uh squeeze some of those kind of things into this as well so thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next one so long